Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Genesis chapter 2, if you will. Genesis chapter 2. Here in this month in September, um, typically in the month of August, the last several years, probably four or five years now, I've taken the month of August to focus on our vision, to highlight the the power of the church universally, but then what Anchor Faith Church has called us to do. You know, vision must be written down. Uh, Habakkuk chapter two says, write down the vision, make it plain so that the people can run with it. And vision's designed to be run with. Vision is not just put up on plaques and posters and walls and written so that people can just read it and do nothing with it. God wants us to do something with the vision that he has called us to and placed within us. We're supposed to steward that vision well. Amen. Well, we didn't do that in the month of August, and so I want to take the, this month of September uh, to dive into our vision, and I believe the Lord's given me kind of a catalyst of a message, if you will, to get us started here. And um, uh, here in Genesis chapter 2, verse 8, I want to look at some foundational things, and then we'll jump into this. It says, In verse 8, the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man. Everyone say put. He put the man whom he had formed. So he's placed Adam and Eve. It wasn't by choice. It wasn't, uh, you know, A, B, or C. uh, You know, didn't pull up a Hotels.com or Travelocity uh, website and said, choose where you'd like to go. He said, I'm placing you, putting you in a garden, giving you an environment to rule and reign in, because we've been discovering on Wednesdays that God has called us to rule and reign, to operate with authority and dominion in the earth. Amen? You know, there's a storm brewing out in the Atlantic Ocean. It's up to the church whether or not that thing causes destruction or not. I said, it's up to the church. The church is bought into a lie that says God is in control. God is not in control. God is in control of one thing, his word. And one of the very first things he said, spoke, was that man would have dominion and authority in this environment. So once he spoke that thing, he can't go back on that. What kind of king would he be if he went back on his word, if he made a promise or a declaration or even a commandment and said, ah, you know what, scratch that, forget that. No, he spoke his word and he said, let them rule, let them have dominion over what? Over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, cattle on the ground, and over all the earth. Well, guess what? A hurricane falls into the category of all the earth. So it's up to the church whether or not that thing causes destruction or not. It's up to you and I. The church standing in our authority. God-given authority. And my authority will never exceed my level of submission. We saw that on Wednesday night. I cannot rule if I'm not submitted. So my first line of order is I've got to get my life in alignment with his will, with his purpose, with his order, with his agenda. God, what is your will on the earth? Matthew chapter 6, Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, and he says... This is how you ought to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. 
thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you know that God has a will? God has a purpose. God has an intention in heaven. But if we want to see heaven come to earth, just as we sang, we've got to operate first in alignment with his will and his purpose. I can't expect to rule if I'm not submitted. But as I submit my life to his, then I can respond and say, okay, Lord, what do you, what, what, what's your will? What's your plan? Well, is death and destruction God's plan? If it's not his will in heaven, it's not his will on earth. Come on, you got to grab this. It's, it's very simple. There's really not a whole lot to it. We've made it a lot more complex than it is. His will is not death and destruction. His will is not hurting and pain. If that was his will, then Jesus just came and messed everything up because all he did was brought healing and restoration and deliverance and hope and peace. So if it was God's will to destroy things, then Jesus is just undoing everything that God's doing. But no, Jesus came here as a man to show us, be an example of what kingdom-minded people look like. We can reign in an environment that's even contrary, contradictory to God's realm, but we can cause it to look a little more like heaven every day. Every day. And so yeah, I can pray, I can command, I don't even have to pray to God, God move that storm. I can speak to the storm and I can tell the storm where to go. Let it move on out. Doesn't have to bring that stuff to make landfall and all the death and destruction. And here's the thing. Most, people, most of us don't operate in our authority, not because we don't necessarily believe this, but it's overridden with the weather channel. You heard me. How in the world are you going to use this, but listen to that? What's the ratio like? So for every minute you give to the weather channel, how many minutes are you combating with this? I'm not saying you can't watch the weather channel, find out the update. I want to find, I want to watch the weather channel to find out if my prayers are doing what they say it's supposed to do. But I'm not going to spend more time on the weather channel than I am in the word of God. I mean, I posted a graphic the other morning. I, I, I woke up to what looked like a map of the United States of America. This is the Weather Channel posting this. A map of the United States of America. And I thought my son broke out the crayons and markers and drew all over their thing. And at the top it said, Dorians, they, they, they name these things. But I know a name that's greater than any name. I know a name that's above every name. Come on. Dorian has to bow. <laughs> He's got to bow. He or she, I don't even know what that name is. It's got a bow. It said, Dorian's track could change. And I said, look, they even get it. They get it. You're absolutely right, it can change. Everything on this planet is subject to change. There's only one thing that remains the same, remains constant, that is fixed and founded and grounded. And this is it right here. If you fix yourself to Weather Channel, CNN, politics, government, economics, uh, uh, healthcare, whatever you want, you're on some shaky ground. 
You want to get on something constant? You want to get on something that's immovable? Get on the Word of God. I don't need to consult my environment to determine God's Word. So in Genesis chapter 2, the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge, uh, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it parted and became four river heads. And it goes on to, to list those different rivers. And then verse 15 says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. What we see here is in creation God is setting some things in order. God is putting some things in place that are gonna be precedent setting, meaning this is his expectation from here on out. And one of the things that we see right offhand is that God places man in an environment. In an environment. And, and you, you know this, that most of creation demands a specific environment. If you take a fish out of water, it dies. It needs the environment of water. That's how it was designed. That's the way it was designed and, and what it was assigned to do. Its plan, its purpose, the wrong environment, uh, even, is limited if it's taken out of the wrong environment. Uh, you know, we ministered an entire series earlier this year, Planted, Not Buried, talking about the environment that a seed needs. So many times we want to see the potential of seed, but we don't want to put it in the environment that produces the potential. And every day that I keep a seed outside of the soil, I heard someone say recently, a farmer doesn't put seed in the ground and hold a funeral. Come on. There's no funerals for seed. God bless that seed. It was a good seed. No, what happens? Expectation. Because unless it goes into the soil. See, we have a law, right? What goes up? must come down. In the kingdom, what goes down must come up. You go down into trial. You go down into pain. You go down into discomfort. You go down into oblivion. You go down into obscurity. You go down into nobody knows, nobody sees, nobody cares. But then God knows that that's just the very environment that you need to produce the potential that's on the inside of you. But there's environments that we need. And now he's taking man, and man is in this environment. Man uh, uh, was designed to have need. There are certain environments that are dangerous to us. If we just talk physically, if we just talk naturally, you go into outer space, they've got to have some gear to breathe with. You, you've got to do, you've got to 
make manipulations in your life to align yourself with the environment you're in because that's a harmful environment. And so we recognize that we are in this earth and we could talk spiritually, we could talk mentally, socially. There are environments that are either helpful or harmful to us. And I wanna get specific today that are either harmful or helpful to us as believers. As believers, we need a certain environment. As believers, there are certain things that we need to surround ourselves with. And what we surround ourselves with will determine what comes out. What's around us can affect what's in us. God places man, not questioning, not not giving him an option, but God puts man in an environment. And this environment is conducive for his development. You know your environment can dictate your development. I said your environment can dictate your development. You know, it's important for us, even children, to be placed in the right environments in a household. That a family is not just something that you're born into and you're stuck with until you can make your own decisions and you get, but the family order and the family structure actually provides the environment conducive for a child to develop the things that they need to develop physically, emotionally, socially, Mentally, all these things are compromised when we're not surrounded by the right environment. We've got to be in the right environment. And so God knows what he's doing. God knows how to get you in the right environment. God knows what you need. Now as believers, as Christians, followers of Jesus, there are things that we need. There are environments that can be destructive to us in our walk with the Lord. Destructive, not just to us. Let me kind of help you get your eyes off of yourself for a little bit. They're destructive to your purpose. And that's even greater than just you. Because you were designed to live on this earth, impact and influence an environment, and leave this earth with leaving something in it. Most people are just leaving earth. They're not leaving anything in the earth. What's the deposit you're making on this planet? What will be different because you were here? That's how God thinks. That's how God thinks. You're not happenstance. You're not an accident. God placed you in this realm, placed you in this environment to do something. There was an assignment on Adam and Eve's life to bring heaven to earth to bring the kingdom of God, the rule of God, his way of doing things to the earth. That's what they were designed to do. That was their assignment. And so then God placed them in an environment that not only was something that they would influence, but was also something that would provide a resource to them. Because see, this is what environments do. Environment provides resource. Environment provides 
resource. You know, sometimes we complain about the lack of resource, but it's because we're in the wrong environment. We're out of place. See, a fish gets a resource of oxygen, not from the air like you and I do, but from water. And even though there's air surrounding the fish out here, it's not designed to receive that resource that way. Therefore, it needs to be in an environment conducive for its growth and its development. And so there's a resource that God has designed for us to receive and to operate off of in our life. We need, there's no worse feeling than being understaffed and under-resourced. Anybody been there? Can I have some businessmen raise your hand that says you've been there, that, that the, the business grew? Anybody that has started a business or done any kind of work like that uh, has at some point been at the level where we need this many people to get this job done but we need this much coming in to get that many people to get this job. And so there's this constant cycle that shows up. It shows up in planning a church and we've been through that cycle. We're actually kind of there now. Uh, From what I'm hearing the last several weeks, the kids are winning. (laughs) They are winning. What did we have last week? 60, 70, 68, 70. Guys, that's a lot of kids. Y'all bringing your kids up in here and y'all getting a break. If you are a Nautilus team member, junior or KV, just shoot your hand in the air. Can we give it up for all these Nautilus team members? Come on, can we give it up for them? It's amazing what our Nautilus team members, our children's ministry teams, what they do and they're gifted to do it. Amen. We want to resource them. We want to put them in an environment. And so environment provides resource. And there's no worse feeling than when you are understaffed, undermanned, under-resourced. Well, actually, there is one worse feeling. There is a worse feeling. It's worse when you have been going through life feeling under-resourced, but then to find out that the resource was right around you the whole time and you didn't know how to tap into it. (laughs) That's actually worse. That's actually more dangerous. Whether through negligence or ignorance, we didn't know, we didn't operate with the resources that were necessary for us to accomplish the goal. I wanna tell you right now, God does not want you to live in life under-resourced. He's provided everything you need. Everything you need is in this plant, is in this planet, in this earth. He gave Adam everything he needed. We just read about rivers. We read about trees. We read about fruit that was desirable, that it was good to eat. It was good to look at. We, we read that God even provided a helpmate for Adam when he said, it's not good for you to be alone. Here's a woman come alongside you. God knows how to get resources to us. But are we using it or are we even aware that it's there? When we reject God's resources, we compromise God's rewards. When we reject God's resources, we compromise God's 
rewards. There are blessings to utilizing the resources that he's placed in our life. Every believer, every person that uh, is on this planet and you've come into the kingdom of God, the first resource that God's provided anybody on this planet is salvation to come out of darkness and into light. Without that resource, there's no hope. You could live the, the best life, the greatest life on this planet and still end up separated from God. And in today's day and age, one, one day I'm gonna preach a message called God's love is overrated. It's overrated. God's love is powerful. God's love is dynamic. God's love will reach into places that are so dark there's nothing you can do to scare God. There's nothing that you have done that he's saying it's too far gone. His love will go to some of the greatest places, places that people won't go. But in today's day and age, we believe that God's love can do stuff that it was never designed to do. There are people on this planet today that are headed straight for hell no desire to change or align anything according to his word, but want to sit back and say, but God loves me. Let me tell you something. God loves every single person that is in and will ever be in the pit of fire. All of them. That's not in question. God isn't saying that's the place for the people I hate. That's the people, that's for the people that I love, but chose not to make me Lord of their life. So we have to take a step back and say, yes, God's love is great. Yes, God's love is powerful. Yes, God loves you. But that's not what is going to change you. We've got to go a step further here. We've, we've got to raise, and, and we have to quit putting the tag of God's love on everything. Like, that's the thing that sets me right. That's the thing that uh, 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 has approved me. Look, and, and there's this whole, you know, thing out, you know, I'm approved by God before I did anything. Yes, let me, let me put it this way. God loved you so much that he made a way out of the mess you're currently in. So it's not a question of, does God love me? It's a question of, do I accept God, God's love and what he's made available to me and begin to align my life based upon what he's provided to me through the cross and through salvation and through Jesus? That's really what's at stake here. I'm glad that we're so aware of God's love, but I want us to be so aware of God's love that we begin to expect the results of God's love in our life. Amen. So we have resources. God has made resources available to us. Today I want to talk to you about three things that you can't do without. My goodness. In a hurry. Hope she listens online later. Three resources that God has provided you that you can't live without. 
See, we need more team members. That's, they're, they're getting loose, man. They're running right out of the classrooms. I hate to walk back in that classroom and see who's tied up upside down right now, hanging from the rafters. She did a number on them. They're all registering now. I, yes. Teach you how to not let children escape in service and run through the back of the sanctuary. Hallelujah. We love our kids. Three resources, three things that as a believer, God has made available to you and you cannot live without. And guys, it's not one of three, two of three, it's three of three. You've gotta have all or nothing. Number one, the first resource that God has made available to us is the word of God. The word of God. Joshua chapter one, verse eight. And this is gonna be very, like I said, foundational. I wanna set a course on this month and what I believe God wants to speak to our church. And um, Joshua chapter one, verse eight says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Then, then, meditate on this law. And when he's saying book of the law, guys, by the way, this is written in Joshua. This is right after we got through with the first five books of the Bible. They, 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 he's talking to a group that doesn't have what you have. They had to be a little more intentional about jotting down the word of God and getting the law or getting the word before them. So if it was paramount for them to be in the book of the law, in the word of God, and give attention to it and give focus to it back then, how much more do you believe we need to have value for the word of God today? For what we have available. Guys, we shouldn't be living lives. I, you know, I'm thankful for the story of David, but I've got something David didn't have. I've got a Bible. I've got a church family. I've got the Holy Spirit upon me and living within me. I mean, my gosh, these Old Testament guys shouldn't be outrunning us. Resources. Resources. And so right there, we see a value for the word of God that we ought to have. Don't let it depart from your mouth. That means it's, on your tongue. Reading it should turn into saying it. Hearing it should turn into talking it. Speak the word. You've heard us say it before. God's word is just as powerful in your mouth as it is in his mouth. It's the word that makes it powerful. Not the person speaking it. Meditate in it day and night. That you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. So I'm gonna hear it, I'm gonna speak it, I'm gonna meditate on it, now I'm gonna do it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Proverbs chapter four, verse 20. Proverbs chapter four and verse 20. The writer says this, my son, give attention to my words. 
Give attention. Give attention. That means it's up to us to give it attention. Give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Are you seeing a pattern here? Keeping it in front of you, valuing it. This is a resource that God has provided. This is a resource God has given you. This is a resource that is available to you. His word, the word of God. Keep them in the midst of your heart for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. It's evident when you're utilizing a resource that God's given you is what he's saying. He said, even your flesh, even your mortal body will reflect if you're aligning with the word of God or not, if you're giving attention to the word of God or not. Even your body physically will show fruit of that. That's what he's saying. That's how valuable and powerful the word of God should be in our lives. We need to give attention to it. Incline our ears. Don't let it depart from us. Keep it in the midst of my heart. Their life to those who find them, health to all their flesh. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 23. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 23 says this. Give ear and hear my voice. Listen and hear my speech. So not only am I supposed to value the word of God in its written form. Written form, the Greek word for the written word is logos. L-O-G-O-S, logos. That's the written word of God. But now he's saying, you need to keep your ear attentive to when I'm speaking to you, to the spoken word. That's rhema, the rhema word of God. Rhema is the spoken word of God. Now here's the thing, the spoken word of God will never uh, uh, defer or deter from the written word. They'll always be in alignment. God will never tell you something that will disagree with this. Well, God told me. Well, we can get confirmation real quick from his written word. God's not gonna say something that's gonna disagree with what he's already said. It will align, it will confirm, it will add value to the word of God. So whether God is speaking to me through his word, whether God is speaking to me through his voice, John chapter 10 was Jesus talking about being the good shepherd and he said, Uh, that my sheep know my voice and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. Well, it takes a little time to get to know someone's voice. It takes time through connection, through relationship, through continuity, through consistency. I'm tuning in to his voice. If you wanna hear God's voice clearly in your life, get in this. Become familiar with the word of God and you'll begin to recognize and identify and see and hear more clearly what God is speaking to you on a daily basis. But you gotta start here. God, I wanna hear your voice. God, I wanna hear you speak to me. He will speak and he is speaking. The question is, are we familiar with it? Do we recognize it? Amen. John chapter 15, verse seven. 
John chapter 15 and verse 7. Jesus says this. If you abide in me, and my what? Words abide in you. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. That's a resource. Abide. Not frequently visit. Abide. Live in. Stay in. Again, consistency, continuity. I'm staying in this thing. And I can see his word produce results in my life that allow me to be effective and productive for the kingdom of God. It's a resource to me. So number one resource that God has provided us as believers is his word, the word of God. From the beginning of time to today, God has never expected man to live and operate in life without his word, whether speaking or written to us. He's never expected you to get anything done without a word. His word is a resource to your life. God doesn't want you to guess his will. He wants you to know his will. Amen. Number two. Number one resource that God has made available to us is the word of God. The second resource that his word shows us is the spirit of God. The spirit of God. His Holy Spirit is a resource to you that every believer needs to properly, effectively, productively live the kingdom life, to do what he's called us to do. We need the spirit of God. John chapter 14, John chapter 14 and verse 15, Jesus puts it this way. Jesus is getting ready to leave the planet. You remember Jesus in John chapter one uh, says that Jesus was the word of God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So God, when he wanted to represent himself in the earth, put a flesh suit on his word. He said, I'm going to send my word down there. The resource literally became flesh to them. But now that resource is getting ready to go to be at the right hand of the Father. And he says this in verse uh, 15, John chapter 14, in verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's the word. Amen, y'all seeing that? That's the resource. He's, going, he's pointing back to the resource. My word is your resource. My commandments, keep my commandments. And then they will provide a resource to you. And then he goes on to another resource. Verse 16, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. Now that word another means one just like as. Another helper just like me. So now the, what, what, what Jesus in the flesh in one man was doing on this earth, now his spirit can come and live with us, abide within us, come upon us, and empower us for what? Kingdom living. Keep his commandments, that's resource number one, but my father will send you another helper, capital H. He goes a little further, that he may abide with you for how long? Forever, meaning you're gonna need this resource forever. 
There's never going to come a time where you don't need my word. There's never going to come a time where you're not going to need my spirit. My spirit. Verse 17, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. It's not a resource for the world. It's a resource for the church. The Holy Spirit is a resource for the church, for you and I. The world cannot receive him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. This is what he's telling his disciples. Six, uh, uh, this is the, the, the dinner, the last supper. These are his last moments with his disciples before he goes to the cross. You think you're talking about important stuff? <laughs> it's pretty important. I'm getting ready to leave, but don't fret. We're not leaving you orphans. And it's actually better for you that I go there because unless I go there, I can't send the Holy Spirit here. He is a resource to you and you need him. You need the word of God in your life. You need to apply the word of God, hear the word of God, see the word of God, uh, 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 respond to the word of God. Obey my commandments. Keep these commandments but now I'm gonna send you another helper, the spirit of truth, another resource. God is so interested in you fulfilling your purpose and your destiny and your call. God is so interested in you doing what he's called you to do that he is getting resource to you. He's surrounding you. And if you'll stay in the environment that he's called you to, those resources will be made available. And if you'll use those resources you'll be able to fulfill what he's called you to do. But if we neglect the resource, we don't receive the reward. We need the word of God. We need the spirit of God. You go on down to verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. These things I have spoken, the word, while I was with you, present with you. Verse 26, but the helper the resource, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and he will bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. He's gonna lead you, guide you, teach you. He's gonna remind you of those things that Jesus said. What's he gonna remind you of? The word of God. Now you see how these resources are supporting one another. They're not combatant. They're not conflicting with one another. They are working together. I need all, I need the word of God. Then I need the Holy Spirit confirming and speaking and reminding me of the word of God, showing me things to come. That's the Holy Spirit. He's a resource to you. Acts chapter one and verse eight. Acts chapter one and verse eight. Jesus says this, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, when you receive that resource, that resource will provide power to you. If we're not seeing power evident in our lives, it may be that we haven't connected with the resource, tapped into the resource, received the resource that God's made available to you. I'm telling you right now, you're not under-resourced in the kingdom of God. He's trying to get it to you. He wants you to have all power, all authority, all dominion, and you have to tap into his resources that he makes available. 
You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Why? I mean, we, it's not a period there. That's not a period, guys. There's a reason why I need the resource evident in working in my life. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. I need the resource so I can be a witness, not a witness that just talks about something, but a witness that has literally experienced. If you bring a witness onto a witness stand, you want to bring a witness that has been through it, he's seen it, he's experienced it, he was there, he's got some knowledgeable information that's gonna help drive this thing forward. You and I are to be witnesses. And even though we may not have been alive when Jesus walked this earth, We have the Spirit of God reminding us, showing us, speaking to us. And apparently, I need power to do that. He wouldn't give me power if I didn't need power. And we know in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes upon those believers and they receive the power to witness, power to proclaim, power to heal, power to minister, power to preach. Power to be witnesses for the kingdom of God. There was an assignment that demanded they be in a certain environment that would provide them resource. Romans chapter 8 verse 14, uh, uh, opening this up a little more to see how the Holy Spirit works in our life. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 verse 14 says this, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So now I see that the Holy Spirit takes on a role in my life of leading and guiding me. What I am led by determines where I'm led to. What I'm led by determines what I'm led to. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit. We need, allow, we need to allow him to lead us. You know, there's way too many people on this planet that are led by their emotions, by their feelings. Well, I feel like. I even heard someone say, uh, well, I didn't hear someone say, I saw someone post, but I guess that's about the same thing. They said that their body was what they used to tell them what the weather was going to do. I guess they get some kind of weird pain or something in their body so they know when it's going to rain because my knee's hurting. (laughs) Wow. Wow. It's amazing the things that we will allow our lives to be dictated and guided by. But then God speaks a truth that's grounded and founded in his word and we have the hardest time wrapping our brains around that. People will buy out all the water, board up their homes, get off the island, travel, get stuck in traffic, moving because the weatherman said a storm's coming. But then I say, the Lord has provided healing for your body. I don't know about that, Pastor. That's that's tough. You kidding me? By his stripes, you were healed. That's in the Bible. You either believe that or you don't. 
but you will read, you'll, 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 you'll believe the weatherman with 15 Crayola marks all over the place saying, this is where we think the storm's going to end up. Come on now. Wow. No, we need to be led by the Spirit of God. He's our resource. What's the Holy Spirit saying? If the Holy Spirit tells you to board up your house and get out and hit the road, then you do it. But is fear talking? Are your feelings talking? Are your neighbors talking? Are your coworkers talking? Is the trembling, who's motivating that? I wonder, would we be as fearful if the circumstance didn't agree with it. Because I'll tell you right now, the Holy Spirit many times will tell you things that are directly contrary to what your experience or your circumstance says, and yet you stick with that. And the Holy Spirit will never, never move you to fear. The Holy Spirit will never move you to fear. I'm not leaving out of fear, I'm leaving out of obedience. I'm not fearful of anything. What can man do to me? There's a difference. The Holy Spirit will never invoke feelings of rage and anger and sadness. No, he won't. No, we have emotions that were given to us by God, but they, were, they, they are horrible masters. They're great servants. When I can feel empathy or sympathy for someone, I can feel compassion towards someone. Or even as Jesus had to do in his day, had to uh, operate in a righteous rash, wrath, a righteous anger, the Bible says. But the anger didn't control him, he controlled it. Your emotions are great servants, but they are terrible masters. No, it says we need to be led by the Spirit of God. And if you skip on down to verse 26, of Romans chapter eight. It says, likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses. That means in the stuff you can't do. Anybody ever been in a, in a situation or position where this is beyond me? I don't know. I, there's no way of me knowing. I can't figure this out. Well, guess what? Good news. There's got some, you have someone on the inside of you that does know. It's like what Mark Hankins says. If you listen to the Holy Spirit, he'll make you look smart. Yeah. Listen to what he's saying. Listen, he is there to help you, assist you beyond what your capacity and your capability is. Let's rely and depend on the Holy Spirit, our resource that God gave us to accomplish what we are called to do in the earth. He'll help you in your weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The Holy Spirit always prays the perfect prayer. If you don't know how to pray for a situation, pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Pray in an unknown language. I don't know what I'm saying. It's okay. God does. The one that is going to operate on your behalf knows exactly what you're saying. And now you are charging angels to start working on your behalf. This is a resource to us. 
praying in the spirit. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That's a resource to you. I feel like complaining right now. I feel like getting mad. I feel like chewing someone out. But I'm going to start praying in the spirit because I can't get my flesh there. So I'm going to do it in the spirit. And then once I get there, it will begin to take over on my flesh. And I'll begin to align even my English natural words with the word of God. Absolutely. No, he is our helper. He is a resource to us. God has given us his word. His word is a resource. God has given us his spirit, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity to come alongside us, to lead us, guide us, teach us, to reveal things to us that are yet to come, to remind us of things that Jesus has already said, to remind us of his word. He's there to empower us the power of the Holy Spirit. He's there to pray for you, make intercession for you on your behalf when you don't know what to pray. He's there to lead you, to get you out of your feelings. Get into the Spirit. The third resource that God has made available to believers, to Christians, to you and I, so that we can effectively do what God's called us to do is the church of God. We've seen the word of God, the spirit of God, and the third resource that God has made available to us is the church of God, not the denomination church of God. Several of you are like, whoa, wait, are we changing denominations? We didn't have a vote, Pastor Mario. I don't know where you're going with this. No, the church of the living God. There's only one church. When I say church, there's only one. But I'm specifying so you understand that this is a resource from God to you. The church. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus introduces the church. And in verse 18, he says this to Peter, and I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. First time he even talks about it. And he says the gates of Hades, or the gates of hell, shall not prevail against it. And I will give you, the church, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In, in essence, what Jesus is saying here is that the church will be uh, how I will orchestrate my kingdom and my government on the earth through the church. He's not orchestrating his power, his government. He's not working on this earth without using you and I. Boy, that sounds arrogant, Pastor Mark. You sure sound prideful. It's the word of God. I'm not saying he has to use me. I'm saying he chose to use me. And therefore, when he chose to use me, he has to use me. Not have to out of I'm stuck and I don't have any other options. He chose to. And when he chose to and he spoke that the church would bind and loose and that the church would have the keys of the kingdom of heaven, then guess what? He has to work through you and I in this planet, in this earth. The church is how God is accomplishing his will on earth. 
The church is how he is getting his plan done here. The church is how he is bringing heaven to earth. It's the church. I told you earlier that whatever happens to this storm out in the ocean, it's up to the church. It's not up to God. God's looking down on his church and saying, that's your realm, that's your domain, that's your territory, that's why I placed you there, that's why I gave you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and you can bind it, you can loose it. You can bind it up and send it back out, you can loose it and let it run amok all over the planet. Church, you, you have the keys of the kingdom of heaven. The church is how he's getting his will and plan done in the earth. Ephesians chapter one. But now I want you to see something. The churches through which he is activating and orchestrating his plan and purpose on the earth through you and I, the church is not a building. Church is not an organization. Church is not an entity. Church is not an idea. Church is a people. It's a nation. His holy people, royal priesthood, chosen generation. That's the church. You and I. It's not an event on a calendar. But now we see that the church provides resource to believers, to you and I. We need the church. Ephesians chapter one, verse 22, and he put all things under his feet and gave him, that's a capital, capital H, so we're talking about Jesus, to be head over all things to the church. So Jesus is the what? He's the head over all things to the church, comma, which is his body. Do y'all see that? Which is his body? Who's the body? The church. Let's go back and look at it again. Verse 22. And he put all things under his feet. That's that's called authority, dominion. And he gave him, Jesus, to be head over all things to the church, which is his body body, watch this, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That means, that means Jesus, the head alone, without the body, the church is not complete. So that means that the church, this living organism, you and I, the people of God, that God is orchestrating and getting his plan and his purpose and his will done in the earth is the very body of Jesus. Very simply, I, I don't do, uh, you know, examples very often, but I brought you one today. It's me. Because I, I just happen to have a body with me today. It's right here. Now, nobody that's greeted me today so far said, hello, Pastor Mark's head. Oh, and hello, Pastor Mark's body. Nobody in this room made a differentiation. Nobody, nobody distinguished between the two. 
is one. We're breaking it down here for teaching purposes in Ephesians. Paul's helping us understand that Jesus is the head, but my head's pretty limited. In fact, if you separate the head from the body, we got a problem. God did not intend for his church to be decapitated. God intended his church, the body that's shoulders down, neck down, somewhere in here, this region. The head has the will. The head has the purpose. The head has the intentions, the desires, the plans, the ideas. The will of God is in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is the head. But how do you execute the will, the intentions, the ideas? It's through the body. I mean, when we say things like, I want to be the hands and feet of Jesus, it's literally what the church is. Your head cannot do much without your body working in alignment and agreement. And neither can Jesus. Jesus can will, wish, idea, purpose, up in heaven, all he wants. But with an inactive body on earth, he cannot get his will done. So I don't need to ask Jesus do something about the storm. That would be just as ridiculous as my body asking my head to go get a drink of water. That would be just as stupid. If my head wants a drink of water, my body then must carry out the functions of getting to the place where the water is at and drinking the water that then replenishes the whole body. There's no distinguishment. There's no differentiation. Paul is trying to help us understand the body is Jesus, and Jesus is the body. We are the body of Christ. Now, how can we say we love Jesus and are connected to Jesus, but we're not connected to the body? No, it's impossible. If I love Jesus, then guess what? I'm gonna love his church. I'm gonna value his church. Colossians chapter one, verse 24. Colossians chapter one, verse 24. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. For the sake of his body, again, we see it, which is the church. Last time we saw the church, which is his body. Now we see which is uh, for the sake of the body, which is his church. The church. This is not just a religious formality. This is not just a routine, uh, you know, just religious practice. We go to church and we sing songs and, and, and then Pastor Mark preaches and then we're gonna take up an offering and then we go home. Not to God. I was encouraging our Elevate teams uh, this morning in our pre-service uh, huddle that, you know, I think God is always trying to get us back to what the church is. And I was encouraging our Elevate teams because 
if you serve in this church in any capacity, you're, you are dedicated, you're committed to the heart and the vision of this church. You're the heartbeat, you're the essence of what we do. This does not happen because we wake up Sunday morning and said, all right, let's do Anchor Faith Church. No, it takes teams of people. It takes uh, people working together in multiple different functions that allow this church to operate and do what it does according to the word of God and effectively and productively. Because we could do this and not affect anything and not produce anything. But we need the body of Christ working together. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter 12 really outlines this. And this is what we want to, this is really everything I've said today is getting us to this point right here. And this is where we'll launch from in the coming weeks. Where are three resources that God has provided every believer? The word of God. We cannot live without his word. The spirit of God. We cannot live without the Holy Spirit. Well, I have the Spirit, so I don't need his word. False, because the first thing the Holy Spirit's gonna do is say, go to the word. It's amazing how many times people wanna tell me the Holy Spirit told them something that goes directly against what this book says. No, he didn't. You just had bad pizza or something. (laughs) That's not the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit did not tell you to run away from your kids. Holy Spirit did not tell you to just up and quit and give nobody a notice. The Holy Spirit doesn't tell you to do stupid stuff. The Holy Spirit, a lot of times, will not tell you stuff. A lot of times when the Holy Spirit tells you something, your initial reaction is, oh, oh, God. Forgive them again. Yep. Work harder, even though they didn't even notice what I did last time. Yep. Holy Spirit's not here to make you happy. He's your comforter, but he's not here to make you comfortable. (laughs) There's a difference between being comforted and being comfortable. He'll comfort you in moments that are uncomfortable. But the Holy Spirit will, like Jesus, lead you into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil to just prove your authority and your power and that you're greater and stronger than anything he could ever do. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we see the third resource is the church of the living God. Verse 12, for us, the body is one. It has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. You're seeing this. One body. One body made up of many members. Again, just for example's sake, here's my body, made up of many members. There's fingers, hand, arm, chest, stomach, legs, feet, head, neck, shoulders. I mean, we we can get as specific as you want. There's stuff you can see, and there's stuff you can't see. You know, there's, how many of you know right now that my heart is working? 
that by a show of hands, how many of you know? Anybody doubting that right now? <laughs> Anybody not in? I'm not really sure, Pastor Mark. But you can't see it. It's a member of my body, a very important member, but it doesn't give any attention. We give attention to all this stuff on the outside. And it's the stuff that we don't see that a lot of times gets the least amount of attention. Like our children's workers in the back. We give attention to all these guys up here. We just gave a, a, a you know, great response. But what they do isn't any greater than what they're doing in a classroom. Can I get an amen? amen. Worship team better be shouting louder than anybody. I'll stick y'all back there next week. Get Kyle back there. Changing diapers. Where's our drummer? He's changing diapers. No, but we need all the members. Verse 15. One body, many members. And if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body. If the Nautilus team member should say, I'm not a guitar player, I must not be a part of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were a greeter, come on, I want you to see this. Where would be the worship? And if the whole body were worship, where would be the greeter, the usher, we need everybody, all of it, working together, functioning together. And just as in my body, there are no inactive members. Right now, everybody, everything is doing something. Some of y'all's stomachs right now are like urging Pastor Mark to shut this thing down. When you get it, I'll quit. I'm on your clock. <laughs> Every member is needed. Every member's doing something. You have a part to play. You have a role in the body. You have an assignment to accomplish. You aren't set here to sit here. Be active, be doing something. Get plugged in, get locked in, participate, get involved. You can serve multiple avenues, multiple arenas. You can give financially, participating towards financially seeing the will of God accomplished in this house through tithe, through offering. Missions, outreach. These are not for your consideration. These are the expectation of a body. And if you had a part of your body that decided to just shut down and quit one day, you're going straight to the ER, finding out what's going on and how can I get this fixed now? Now, not next week. Well, let me pray about it, Pastor Mark. If I, I, you don't need to pray about serving on a greeter team. Great. 
Now, if God has something else for you down the line, but get your foot in the door and say, yeah, I'll tell you, the greatest asset, if I could just be a little selfish for, the, for a moment, the greatest asset to any pastor are the ones that say, what can I do? I don't have any limits. I don't have anything that I won't do. I was just uh, uh, talking with the young man just earlier this week. He's in a season of transition in his life. And I said, there's, there's two things that you're probably doing right now because you're 22 and I was 22 once and, and, and thinking about what I wanted to do for God. And I had a great heart, man. I want to serve God, God, whatever you want. But I did two things that were detrimental to my growth and my development. Two things. One, I, put, I gave God a time limit. Yeah, I'll, I'll go there about three years. Yeah, you know, I can see myself, you know, maybe about three years and, and, and maybe, you know, maybe five years and, and putting a time limit on God. And the second thing was telling God stuff I wouldn't do. So guess what? I ended up there a lot longer than I thought doing stuff I never thought I would do. When you start out there, the first thing God says, man, I can't even work with your hands until I work on your heart. He said, in fact, I'm not even interested in what you can do with your hands until I know what you can do with your heart. God's not even really interested in your gifts and your abilities until you're willing to offer everything up to him. You can get anointed with oil by the prophet, but you better be able to walk back out into the sheep pen and take care of father's sheep until you get called to the palace with anointing oil dripping off of your head. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm too big for that. My brothers in battle, you the next king of Israel. You want me to take meat and cheese, bread and cheese to my brothers in battle? You, I am the king. Who do you think you're talking to right now? You want me to play the harp for you? I've already been told I'm replacing you. But yet he served the very man he's supposed to be replacing even though God already spoke it to him and anointed him to do it. Could you be anointed to be a king and watch sheep? I'm not making this stuff up. This is not a pull to get you to do stuff. We have one of the most active, in fact, all three individuals that just came into our church, all three commended the activity of our church people. And all three of them travel extensively, not a couple places a year. It's what they do for a living is walk into almost a different church every week. Reverend Gary has probably been to close to 300 churches within the last 12 months. They don't just minister on the weekends. They do services during the week on Wednesdays. They are in multiple churches within a seven-day period. And all of them commended us for activating our body, for seeing so many people serving, the liveliness, the, 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 the uh, vitality of our church, the life that is, and they... It, it, it's one thing if people see that and they've been around you a long time. It's another when that's what they see, the first thing they, that's the first impression they get. 
I'm commending you, but I'm also challenging you and charging you that to be the church and to fully utilize, worship team, if you'll come, to fully utilize the resources that God has made available to us. Church cannot sit on the side. Church cannot be an option. Now, all three of these, the word, the spirit, and the church, the enemy attacks on a daily basis. He tries to present a devaluing of the word of God. He's worked extensively even within the church to confuse the work of the Holy Spirit and the operation of the Holy Spirit. And one thing that I see as a pastor and I see it happen way too often is people get bitter, offended, and they pick up and move and eventually leave the church. Verse 27 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. I have no problem talking about the role of the church. It's not because it pays my salary. It's not because this is all that I do all week long. This is, this is what God has placed in the earth to be a resource to you. Just as a child needs a healthy environment to grow and develop and become who God has called them to be. We need a healthy family church environment to become everything that God has called us to be. I'm just telling you, you cannot get it done. I know people get hurt. I know there's no perfect church. I just sat down with a gentleman earlier this week and I had to explain to him because he came to us from a hurting place. And I said, look, I'm gonna tell you right now, there's nothing special about our church. I mean, you're special. Okay, you hear me? To me, right here. But we're not perfect. We're not flawless. The enemy would love to put a foothold in a place like this. I don't even think the devil attacks unhealthy churches. He doesn't even waste his time. They're destroying themselves. But I believe he goes after the healthy ones. I believe the wolf comes in and tries to find the healthiest, plumpest sheep in the sheep pen. That's who he's going after. There's so many ways that the the enemy, one of the main ways that the enemy attacks the church is through the leaders, through the pastors. We're seeing so many ministers of the gospel, so many people that lead large ministries falling away from the faith because guess what? When they fall away, everybody underneath them is compromised. He's not just running one off. He's running off one that's going to take 25,000 with him. The larger your influence, the greater the responsibility. To whom much is given, much is required. But the enemy works right here. Right in the midst. 
to bring division, strife. I mean, Paul is writing this to the Corinthian church, probably the most messed up church on the planet. You thought your church was messed up. The one you came from, of course, not this one. Go read about Corinthians. In chapter three, he was encouraging them because they were, they were at envy and strife with one another. Well, I came from Paul's group. Well, I came from Apollos' group. Who's better? They're arguing and bickering and fighting. And he's saying, look, we're all members of the same body. We need each other. The eye needs the ear. The hand needs the foot. He's writing this to address an issue within the church. He goes on to say, when one rejoices, we all rejoice. When one's hurting, we all hurt. Guys, we cannot do what God has called us to do without a reliance and dependence on the Word of God, without a reliance and a dependence on the Spirit of God, and without a reliance and a dependence on the church of God. And the enemy will work the rest of his life to make you think that you don't need those three operating in your life. In any area that's not uh, 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 up to par, you'll be deficient in in your life. It will compromise your purpose, compromise who he's called you to be, compromise your assignment on this earth. We need the word, we need the spirit, we need the church. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family, You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.